0: Hi, this is John Ratzenberger, that's right, the same John Ratzenberger that played the part of the very handsome mailman on the TV show Cheers. Now, it's a little known fact that, in my heart, I'm just a country boy. Welcome to the NutriBlends Animal Ag Podcast, where we tell the truth about American agriculture. On this podcast, false rumors are run out of town, misleading marketing gets called out for what it is, and you better have good science to back up your claims or you're getting a boot. You hear me? I'm John Ratzenberger, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. The inversion of the regulatory approval process is an example of how abnormal slash normal occurs, has impeded progress in tackling BRD or most infectious diseases where robust uh, acquired immune system responses are either deleterious or not workable. Dr. Sam Barringer provides technical assistance to Diamond V ruminant teams and plays a key role as part of the company's food safety initiatives. He specializes in calf health management Epidemiology, Evidence-Based Population Medicine, uh, Disease Outbreak Investigation, and Vaccinology. Dr. Beringer earned his DVM from the University of California, so he must be a surfer. Dr. Beringer has also enjoyed a distinguished 30-year career in the U.S. Air Force and U.S. Army, having been deployed to 25 different countries and earning numerous medals and awards for exemplary performance in combat. Welcome, Doctor Beringer. Good to be here, John. Are you armed? I am currently only armed with my five fingers,
1: but they are lethal weapons.
0: Ah, who was the general? That uh, let's see. The, he, it was the guy who was the first Secretary of Defense in, in President Trump's administration. Gates. No. Oh, and, you want Mad Dog? Mad Dog. Yeah, Mattis said when, when you when you meet someone, uh, you know, be polite and. Shake their hand and, and listen attentively, but also in the back of your mind, figure out five ways to kill them.
1: Kill them. Yep, yeah, that's yeah. good advice.
0: I that's I yeah. live by that.
1: But I'm I'm okay with you. I haven't even got to one yet.
0: See, I I, I grew up in one of those neighborhoods. Yeah, we we just did that naturally. Yep. Doctor Berenger, veterinary regulation authorities approve antibiotics and vaccines to cure or prevent disease. Yet, yet such treatments also mask disease challenges. Can you briefly explain what happens in a couple of the most serious diseases of cattle?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, uh, what I'm going to do in that question is really just focus on pneumonia or respiratory disease rather than try to paint a picture across multiple syndromes because we could really use up our time if we tried to hit every syndrome.
0: We've got plenty of time.
1: Oh, okay, well, uh, I'll just pick one and then maybe we'll go from there. There you go. So uh, first, we when we understand the human bovine relationship we we have to understand that cattle and people are in this predator prey relationship in predator prey relationships the predator um, would seem imposing and so the prey tries to hide disease so they will do everything in their power to try to hide from people the ultimate predator that they are having any kind of illness so in that relationship they try to hide from us and so for us to be effective as uh, Managers, farmers, all of those sorts of interactions. We have to convince our prey animal to relax that we're not a risk to them so that they can show us disease. And uh, they're, they're hardwired to show that they're fine and that they're not at risk. And so what we do in medicine is we put interventions in that actually hide disease even more. So we help the animal hide from us when in fact what we need to focus on is how do we convince this prey animal that it's okay to show us disease that way we can treat them as an example when you use a vaccine in in bovine agriculture bovine medicine that vaccine especially for respiratory disease has claims on like reduces signs of disease uh there's there's things like i reduced the amount of lung lesions that you can find and what it What it's doing is helping the animal hide from disease. What we really want to do is invert that principle and do the things that will allow the animal to say, we're friend, we're going to show you disease early and therefore whatever treatment we intervene with will be more successful. And so these substances that we've used for 50 years help the animal's natural instinct to hide from us when in fact, If we would just help the immune system identify the problem and help the animal recognize that we're not the enemy, we would be ultimately more successful in eliminating the need for antibiotics.
0: Are you saying the animal purposely pretends to be healthy? That's exactly what I'm saying,
1: because if they show signs of illness, then they are showing vulnerability. And in the predator-prey relationship... So the wolf
0: pack will... Get hit the lame and the diseased and... Correct.
1: So we're th- trying that's to... Interesting. We're trying to avoid that interaction. And um, as production animal specialists and veterinarians, we are putting more emphasis now on figuring that dynamic out rather than immediately jumping to an intervention. And that intervention is always painful. And so the animal learns pretty quick. If I show illness or weakness... It's going to be a bad day. So we have to we have to figure out a way around that. How how long have
0: we known that?
1: So I would tell you that we've probably known that since we became um, in this symbiotic relationship with, especially with cattle. What happens is, is we abnormal becomes normal, and so we begin to do an abnormal behavior. We get it reinforced, and then pretty soon that. Uh, erroneous behavior just becomes part of how we do business. And so what's happened since the advent of antibiotics and uh, some of these biologics is we've allowed this abnormal crutch to become normal, and we just need to pull it back to what we've probably known for
0: hundreds of years. Does that... So it doesn't go back to a certain person, you know, like Madame Curie or uh, or Fleming and penicillin and all that? who figured that out? I mean, that's quite something. When That's pretty remarkable when you think about it, that the animals are pretending to be healthy.
1: Yeah, so, you know, we can tell lots of stories around that, and, you know, we have some particular veterinarians that really just focus on that. But that's one of my primary focuses is that um, animals that try to hide from us, and the longer you hide from us, the less effective our treatments are going to be. And so, right. um, and-, and so we see really good calf raisers that, that make an effort to be non-threatening. The calves will let, them, let us know real quick, hey, they need a hand. And um, as we watch that dynamic in production agriculture, and you see one farm that has a, a immense health, they never get sick, or if they do get sick, they immediately get better. And you see the same quality of animal in another place, you just can't keep them healthy. That dynamic is as simple as the human mm-hmm. interaction in that predator prey relationship. Sure, keeping
0: stalls dirty or not cleaning them out.
1: All of that sanitation, right, all of that right. sort of stuff plays into it, yeah.
0: That's it's just fascinating. I, I would look for the cow that is just st- leaning against the barn whistling, <laughs> you know, pretending to be nonchalant. Yes. You know, reading the newspaper. And-
1: yes. So we, we uh, have worked uh, diligently on genetics, and we've, we've, we've got some Holsteins that are now reading the newspaper,
0: but we haven't been able to get that in the beef breeds
1: yet. So
0: All right, well, I'll, I'll help you work on it. Now, Dr. Berenger, veterinary regulatory authorities have approved antibiotics and vaccines to cure or prevent the disease, yet such treatments always mask disease challenges. Can you briefly explain what happens in a... Couple of the most uh, serious, I guess, diseases of cattle.
1: So again, as these as these uh, cattle hide from us, and we we'll, we'll focus mostly on respiratory disease. Um, and so, a pneumonia starts with just an organism that starts to replicate, and as that repli- replication becomes exponential, more damage occurs. And so, we have to find that as it's just starting to be effective. And as they have that initial event, cattle will try to hide from it. And then we have a very tough time as humans detecting that and treating that. Then we put other interventions in that help them hide. And so the longer uh, we fail to detect that early disease, the less likely that animal will be a productive animal because the lung progressively gets damaged. And the more lung that gets damaged, you know, uh, you, you you take the analogy of a smoker who smokes for 50 years, and then you take him up to Colorado and put him at 10,000 feet. Mm-hmm. They can't breathe and they can't right. move. Well, that's what happens to cattle. As you progressively remove lung capacity, they cannot perform to what the optimal uh, standard needs to be. So.
0: Yeah, well, that answers the question why. There's no cattle Olympics. Yes, it's right,
1: and we've we've tried numerous uh, times to uh, uh, originate them. Just we can't get it off it's the ground because they
0: can't breathe. Yeah, they, they can't, can't breathe. Run. Yeah, but no, the, really, the 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 thing that, that's amazing about this is that at some point, you know, when the when the cow was running away from the wolves, and they look back and say, "Oh, they got Charlie," <laughs> and so the other cow got together, say, "Okay, look." Charlie was sick, so let's pretend not to be sick. Yep. I mean, that's just that's ex- fascinating. That is exactly what's going on, John. But it's fascinating yeah. how that all the cattle pick up on that. Yes. so okay, let's pretend not to be sick. Yep. Whew. What a life, huh? Hey, got to be. So how does the, the masking of the disease challenges by, by treatment influence the, well, the immune system?
1: Well, without question, as I've said before, um, the, um, if we accurately and early identify this disease and we use an antibiotic, antibiotics are exceptionally effective when used early. And so um, that is really, really important. But let's just think about uh, a room full of people, and we put a virus in the middle of 30 people. 10 of them get sick. 10 of them don't get sick, um, can't get sick. And 10 of them are kind of sitting there wondering which way they're gonna go. And that is only, that response is purely based on their innate immune system. So what is it in those animals that made them protective and why did the Mm -hmm. 10 get sick? And that just comes down to, is their innate immune system working properly? And there's some genetics involved there, but there's also things like nutrition or things that we can put into their diet that will impact their innate immune system and make it work better. And so what we have to focus on is the first tenet back to um, relax the predator-prey relationship so they'll raise their hand and say, I'm sick, but also give them some immune resiliency so that when that bell curve is generated, the bulk of our animals, their immune system says, yep, I see it, but I'm not going to get sick from it. And we can impact the immune system pretty dramatically through some, some emerging technologies that we're, we spend a lot of time working with Diamond V to, to really focus on that area. Just fascinating.
0: In the, in the cases of the most serious diseases that you mentioned, what are the effects on the cattle health and well-productivity?
1: So, you know, I'm fond of using this phrase, and that is the rate-limiting organ of cattle in their first year of life is their lung. So nutritionists out there, you'll understand this idea that when you're trying to build a protein inside your body, you have to have amino acids that build up to that protein. If one of those amino acids is absent, then the protein doesn't get built. Everything stops, and you don't get the, the desired impact. That's that's how it is with the lung. If the lung is damaged at an early age, that animal cannot perform to its to its optimal um, uh, potential, genetic potential, and that's true for us or for humans. And so we have had really false paradigms around respiratory disease for uh, for a long, long time. But using lung ultrasound, we've now determined that if we have disease, then our impacts are pretty. Uh, measurable and predictable. We cut down on average daily gain, how much feed they'll eat. Um, I mean, even the probability that the calf would survive to have its first calf, uh, to deliver its own first calf, um, they have decreased fertility. um, They don't gain in the feedlot. All of these sort of things happen if we don't detect or prevent respiratory disease at a very early age. And that rate limiting organ says, if you don't protect it, lifetime- Uh, Production and uh, capacities severely decreased.
0: Hmm. So, what's the relationship between rumen health and resiliency and and immune health and resiliency?
1: Yeah, you know, resiliency is a term that's kind of bounced around, and we have to think about resiliency in terms of this word picture using a rubber band. And so, use a rubber band and you stretch that rubber band with the hopes that you don't stretch it too far and it returns back to normal. When you accomplish this, the rubber band uh, retains its value. When you stretch it too far, the rubber band breaks, and then obviously that rubber band's not worth anything. So what we do in the cattle model is we recognize that there's always going to be stretches on the system. We're always going to stretch that, and how do we get that, stretch to return back to normal and back to productivity and the ways that we do it are not unlike what we would do with people and that is building robustness into the system so that when they stretch they return and how you do that is the same as you would as a human being and that is through proper nutrition and so what do we need to provide nutritionally so that the animal that stretches can come back to normal. Additionally, we know that the immune system has specific um, components necessary to uh, initialize it and to make it work. If we deprive that animal of those chemicals, of those bioactives, then they can't respond correctly as well. And you know, I don't, I don't know how you grew up, John, but I bet sometime in your life, your mom told you to eat green vegetables.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to finish the. Your pancakes?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. you got to finish with with lots of maple syrup.
0: (laughs) Well, my grandmother had a garden, and we lived right next door to her. Yeah. So we were always out there picking vegetables. So that was never an issue. Yeah, and so— But I get your point. There are
1: things in green vegetables that impact the immune system, and we didn't understand the chemical matrix behind that. We have new emerging technology that's defined that, and if we put that in diets, we make the innate immune system— Work ever so more effective.
0: Is one grass preferable over it? so? If I'm raising cattle, should I put in uh, fescue or yeah? I mean, or bluegrass or whatever it is. I mean, is there one grass that the animals eat that's yeah. better than another?
1: You know, so as you look at these really unique animals we call ruminants, you know, as long as there's nutrient value in whatever grass we put in front of them, that it will go into this big fermentation vat. And those microorganisms will digest it and they'll extract nutrients from it. So there, there are some that have more energy, some that have more protein. But at the end of the day, this amazing animal we call a ruminant will um, utilize a substance that no other creature can use and they will become very productive in it. And on top of that, as we push that productivity and make them more efficient, there's, a, there's some things we need to add to their diet to make mm. them more efficient and, and specifically to address that innate immune system. So mm. that's really what I spend, you know, the bulk of my time doing is learning from a research perspective, what are the things that I can do that actually prevent disease, not detect it after they've hit it for two years, you know, or six months or five days. So
0: why is this relationship between the rubin and the immune system more important than ever to the cattle producers today will end tomorrow, I guess. Yeah,
1: so, so this interaction between this rumen this and the gut microbiome and how we look at innate immune system, if the rumen doesn't work right and we don't get that right kind of grass in there, as you described, and we deprive them of energy, then the immune system can't work optimally. The immune system has a huge energy drain if you need it. If you don't need the immune system... All of the uh, microbial fermentation process, all that energy is put towards production and growth. But if you get sick because the innate immune system isn't working, it will preferentially shut glucose to feed the immune system. So what you want to accomplish is to never need that robust immune response so that all the um, nutrients that they take in work um, towards production and, and milk production meat production, all those sort Mm. of things. And so we have to understand that the goal isn't just production. The goal is health. And if the goal is health, you will feed those animals um, things like NutriTech or Nitrosafe that will impact the innate immune system and then uh, also have a very positive impact on the rumen as well. And so we have this very synergistic uh, axis that takes place really takes animal health and nutrition to the next level
0: Where does clover come in is clover a good thing for yeah is there more nutrients in clover than there is in grass
1: so the so the issue with legumes in particular is that they have their ability to sequester nitrogen and and provide protein to right. that animal so that protein goes in and that protein is really preferred by some of these microbes as they digest it and these proteins then are back to my amino acid rate limiting amino acid. Mm-hmm. these proteins are then uh, broken down into amino acids and then reassembled into proteins that the that the cow calf needs you know to to live with
0: because so. i once read that <clears throat> people always had clover uh around their houses because it just it grew to a uh, a certain height and stopped growing. Yep. It shaded the ground, so yep. it retained water really well. Yep. And then the marketers of some chemical company convinced, because if they had a chemical after World War I that they found would kill uh, weeds, clover. Yeah. Yeah. And so they convinced people that clover was a weed and and, and what you want to, you know, to look like you're wealthy is grass. And so there goes the clover. I always thought that.
1: Yeah. So I would tell you, you know, I have 300 acres in a in God's country up in uh, Colorado, and the bulk of my pasture is clover. And oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah. And so my my cattle do pretty good on clover. So
0: you're rolling in clover. Yeah.
1: So I mean, you can also get a lot of grass in Colorado too, but it's not right. healthy for new for for cattle growth.
0: Now, BRD continues to plague the cattle industry with current practices, but with the help of nutrition, we may finally get a grip on this costly disease. Dr. Barringer, thank you for sharing your thoughts on how nutrition plays a major role in the animal's immune function. I'd like to welcome our listeners to come back next week to find out what's on tap on NutriBlend's Animal Ag Podcasts.